Ferry Road. Come on in. Get here from far off or near. We're glad you're here. Oh, that rhymed. I did. I'm a poet and didn't realize it. The man, that, wasn't, that was a Trent joke there. The we're so glad you have chosen to be with us today. As we often say, you could have been a lot of places uh, this morning, but you chose to be here, and we thank you for being. We have a lot going on. There'll be some uh, uh, slides up here to highlight some things here. But if you didn't get a bullet, then there'll be some. Guys walking down the aisles, just wave at them and they'll uh, get you a bulletin so you can know everything that's happening. Uh, we do have some fish dinners. Uh, we're raising some money to uh, build some houses down in South America. And they're going to be selling tickets the next two weeks, this week and next. Uh, for $10, be fish plate. Uh, and it will be good, I promise. Chad Johnson said, please pray that they can catch that many fish uh, uh, so that the fish will come into the nets uh, with that. Uh, so uh, get your tickets today and next Sunday, and they'll be delivered here on the 20th. Uh, also, we have a grief share group that will be starting uh, July the 8th uh, and run through September. It's going to be a day group. So if you need more information for that, see Carol Ogle at the Welcome Center in the back, and then or, or you can call the church office. We're so glad, as we said, that you have chosen to be here. Let's go ahead and begin with a prayer, and we'll continue our worship. Father, thank you so much for just a beautiful morning, and we thank you as... As our uh, country celebrates this weekend, it's, it's independence, uh, we, we celebrate today our dependence on you as our Father and as our, as our Savior and as our Lord. And I pray whatever we do today will honor you and will glorify you, not only today but as we leave these doors, that everything we do in our life, everything we say and everything we think will be reflective of you. It's through your Son, Jesus, we pray with the help of your Spirit. Amen.
to all, and he promised him strength for the journey to the steadfast to answer the call. Let oh, faithful Lord, let us be faithful, faithful. We still believe, let us be faithful, faithful Lord. We believe in the truth of the Bible. Who gave it all? 
healed up. Some of you are in the middle of wounds. Some of you will be wounded tomorrow. But we're all in the same place with the same need for this gospel of Jesus Christ. So no matter what you walked in this room with today, you can find help for the things that hurt in your life through the message of Jesus. And that's what we want you to find while you're here, no matter how you come, just, just as you are. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that i
say thank you enough thank you father for the hope that we have through the lamb of god thank you father for your word that guides us your spirit that lives inside us and may we lift up our hearts and voices to you father giving you honor and glory in all we do and father as a church we are grateful that you've rescued us and that you're using so many people here and their talents and even their mess-ups and mistakes to make a difference in the lives of other people. And we want to be used, Father. So we, we ask that you help us to walk humbly and to love mercy and to do what's right always, Father, before you. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, with the help of the Spirit, that we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
sit in the back and uh, the music is great from there but I came up front and listened to that song of wow <laughs> you know this is uh, a very special time in a worship service for me as I know it is for all of you is to commune with our father so let's take this time to forget about what we're going to do for lunch today, forget about texting on our cell phones, let's forget about everything 
but the cross, Jesus Christ, and this love. I grew up uh, way up north in West Virginia in a small steel town. And uh, it was way back before political correctness was in power and things. My father worked in that steel mill. He carried a little steel lunchbox to work every day and, and sometimes he would buy a treat out of the vending machine and bring home for my brother and I and that was just a great treat to open that lunchbox and there was a candy bar. One particular day, open that lunchbox and it wasn't a candy bar but it was a coffee cup a little paper coffee cup and way back before you weren't allowed to write anything on it there was a, a verse John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life I don't remember how old I was, but I could read, so that kind of gives you an idea. I asked Mom, I said, I, I don't understand, what's this mean? Now Mom was tending the three young children, trying to get dinner ready, Dad was hungry after work, so she explained it as efficiently and as quick as she could that God sent Jesus to us because he loved us so much and Jesus died for us didn't understand that. How could somebody love so much to send her son? You know, that was 50-some years ago, and I totally don't understand that kind of love again. How could you love someone so much to send your son? God did, and Jesus came. This bread that we're about to receive <clears throat> represents his body that was broken for us. As the plates pass to you, remember how much love was shared in that sacrifice. Please bow with me. Father, we thank you for this day, for the many blessings. We thank you for the eldership here for the elders and their wives that lead us day to day under your work. We are most grateful, Father, for the preachers, the outstanding job that they do each day, and our teachers and our leaders, the church staff, the world radio. We're thankful for Celebrate Recovery, and the marriage retreats. We're thankful, God, that you've helped us with our camps for children so that they can learn about your work the ladies' groups, and the tireless work that they do. We ask, Father, that you continue to bless each one of these ministries and the many others that go through. Guide and direct us, Father. On this 4th of July week, we ask that you would bless this country, the leaders, that they turn to you for the decisions. Let them understand that they can't make these decisions without you. And we thank you, Father, for the Bible, 
our inspired direction. We thank you for giving us knowledge as we study, but we ask that you give us wisdom on how to apply that and the courage and the strength to say when. Father, as we take this bread, would you please bless it from a common to a holy use. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As we continue in the thoughts of John 3.16, I'd like for you to kind of just think about how difficult it was for God the Father to watch the events around the Last Supper, the torture that Christ went through for the humiliation, and have to sit there and watch. You know, Trent talked uh, Wednesday night about his son and, and that love that was there. And we, we have so many examples of um, mothers going back into burning buildings after their son or their child or daughter. We have examples of uh, 
a father lifting a car up off of their child in an accident, unusual strength. We have even the animal kingdom where the mother bear watches over her cubs. And think about how direct conflict that is to what God did at that time when he had the power to stop everything. He could have come down and, and, and just done away with this world. But he loved us so much that he didn't do that. Think about the love that Jesus had. He went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Father, if this cup can be passed from me, let it be. But not thy will, but your will be done. How much love did God have to show not to answer that prayer? He answered it, but in time, in a different way. And finally, think about the love that Jesus shared when he's hanging on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This cup that's going to be passed to you represents his blood. When you take it, think about the sacrifice that had to happen for that. Bow with me, please. Father, we continue in this prayer giving thanks for the beauty of this day, for your love and for your kindness, but most of all, Father, for your grace. We thank you, Father, for the young people of this church and, and throughout this world and their parents. Help them make those right choices. For those that are coming to you broken, heal their hearts and their bodies and their minds. Touch us and heal us, Father. Let us be an example of love throughout the world. We ask, Father, that you would bless this cup and change it from a common to a holy use. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Did you ever consider that life is just a series of choices? We get up first thing in the morning until we nod off and go to sleep at night. It's a series of choices of what we're going to do as far as what we say, how we conduct ourselves, how we think, what direction we take our life. We're in another choice right now of what we give back to Jesus Christ so that the work of this church can continue. There's so many great works that goes on in this church, not only here, but throughout this world. We ask that you would consider what you want to give back to Christ so that this church can continue. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we continue giving thanks for the beauty of this day. We thank you for all the blessings that you have given to each of us, and, and we ask that you would continue in those things and help us as we live our daily lives. We ask, Father, that you would bless Alan as he comes forth with the, the lesson. Help him to recall all the things that he studied and bring that word to you so that it touches hearts and souls and minds. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son and the love that you show. Amen.
a special contribution just for our church family, and uh, uh, and it really makes makes a world of difference in some people's lives who are all of a sudden just hit in a moment uh, of tragedy or somehow or another don't have the, the, the resources to help, and Bill's always gracious to do our first Sunday contribution. So. What can I say? <laughs> Pretty good, y'all. Off an invitation right well, now. Well, he thought he was going to lead worship up here when we got up. <clears throat> hey. There's a lot of things I'll try, but that's not one of them. <clears throat> it's hard to express what God wants into our hearts. and how he works in our lives individually. Margaret and I worked for you, for you for years, and some way along the line, God made provision for our future. And you can believe it or not, but I look back and say, I don't understand where all that came from so that we could live. But I know from whom it came. And I think about what do you have that God hasn't given to you? Since the early part of the 1900s, there have been over a thousand scientific discoveries that say our Bible is unique to the point that it has to be the Word of God. Even some atheists are beginning to turn. And some of the loud mouths, like Dawkins, getting a little quieter. So we are all, everything we have, the thousand different things it took to make this world where we could live, just the right amount of oxygen and hydrogen, the minerals in the ground that we can cause uh, for a great industrial revolution, transportation, uh, so many things have occurred that is God's way of saying, I love you, but don't forget the poor. And always the poor are not necessarily on the street corner. Sometimes they're right here with us with the single moms or single dads so many ways. So God sent him to show us his heart. And he was born of a peasant woman. In a, he never got to, to watch television. He never got to hear radio. He never had. When they had... Uh, Fleas, or they had lice in their hair. They didn't have chemicals like we do. When they got sick, what do you do? You, you pray and lay over them and hope and pray that, that God would answer you on that particular one. Now, I'm going all that because we're so rich generally. Generally. I'm, I'm reading a book on history right now. That there are only five nations, counting us, that in the billions of people born on this earth, less than 5% have ever known freedom. 
Now, the idea of freedom came from God. And so, I just want to touch you to say, when you put it in there, say in your mind, Father, I remember how poor you were, and I want to help my brothers and sisters who are faithful in this congregation. Frail humans are not going to be able to uh, experience as much as we would like to. Words are so inadequate. But we love you very much, and we thank you for every blessing we have of our people. And I have, a, a, amen. I'd say that because I want to say, Marla, if you're in the audience, I do have my oxygen by my seat. One another,
And so uh, we can use your help and your energy. So please come on over and be with us at 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, I'm excited about the, the new work that's going to be going on over there and the outreach there uh, in that area of town. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to have, I know the Lord's going to really bless a lot of neat things happen there. Already has. And so we're real excited about that. Also in this series of uh, Converge, uh, When Extra Meets Ordinary, you know, we've been going through highlights of the book of Acts and so uh, it's really been a, a neat study for Trent and I to be a part of and uh, learned a lot. Hopefully you've been encouraged that. We've got a couple more weeks in that. Today we've asked, uh, in that same series, we've asked Alan to come and share with us today. And then next Sunday uh, uh, in this same series, uh, Zach Dash will be coming. You know, Zach preaches over at University Forest a lot. and He'll be uh, coming this side of the river to preach for us next week. And so we look forward to hearing uh, from him then. And so... Uh, be sure to make your plans to bring visitors and, and be a part of things then. And uh, so Before Al gets started, I want to have a word of prayer with him. Uh, Father, we love you. We thank you for the day. Father, thank you for my brother, uh, partner in the Lord here, and I ask your blessings upon him as he shares his heart and he shares your word. Thank you, Father, for his study. Uh, give him wisdom as he shares. Thank you, Father, for not only what he shares here, but what he shares uh, around the world day in and day out. Uh, grateful, Father, that, uh, that uh, you've given us such strong uh, elders that can preach and teach and share. And, uh, so today, bless Al as he uh, uh, takes time to share with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Mike. It's uh, always a blessing to be home. Good morning, church. All right, and all you uh, looking in out there on the internet, uh, how about a big amen so the folks out there will know we're really here? Amen? That'd be a far? All right, good. You know, when you're looking in, you're not sure, is it just some preacher in a room, uh, or is there really a vibrant forever family? And WFR is certainly that. It's exciting for me to be back. My good buddy, Tim Lawson, who's my golfing buddy, uh, did our communion this morning. I always appreciate Tim. I tell him he's my favorite Yankee uh, that I know uh, because he's from up north. And I'm just amazed that he can still remember childhood stories as old as he is. But uh, it's a real blessing, of course, to uh, have folks like that. I thank you, uh, Tim, for your message this morning. 
uh, about God and Jesus and what really they did for us. Uh, it's a great blessing. Happy 4th of July as well. I hope you celebrated the way that John Adams envisioned. Here's what he told his wife, Abigail, that he hoped that future generations would celebrate on the Declaration of Independence. It ought to be commemorated, he said, as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. Man, isn't that great? It sounds a little church, uh, not separation of church and statey to me, but it sounds pretty awesome when you say that we should celebrate our independence with solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. He also said it ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade. We got those with shows. We got those games, sports, illuminations. I assume that's fireworks. Bells, bonfires, and guns. That's what the man said. I like that. What do y'all think about that? He left out beer and barbecue, but he pretty much got everything else that should be in there uh, in terms of America. But what a blessing uh, that we have to both give devotion to God Almighty, uh, to be, but to be a nation of free people. You know, our founders were lovers of God, and they knew what they were doing when they founded this republic, America. They knew, and it was going to be different than any other republic. I look across the world and I see the men and women, the sons and daughters of the Almighty God that are under great attack from Satan, from his minions, uh, whoever they are, to come in to, to rape and to kill and to maim. And I see us here in America with the Bible in our hand, the grace of God, but a Glock in our back pocket because we also know that freedom costs something. And blood has been spilled for us. And this is a unique republic that we live in, a place that we have to always be thankful every day for the freedoms that were laid forward. See, we were found on a revolution, but we were also founded by coming out of tyranny. And so we've got to never forget that. And every July 4th, a friend of mine told me just today that somebody said, oh, you're from White Street Road. That's one of those flag-waving churches. And you know what I say? Guilty as charged. I'm going to keep waving that flag every single day that says we are free, we are Americans, and we have the grace of God. We had an opportunity to be on the Today Show, and Dad and Si were there, and, you know, the person is uh, doing the interview, and, and they said, well, I understand you have some dogs, because they're trying to keep it light and fluffy, you know, on the Today Show. And Dad said, yeah, we got dogs. They're our first line of defense, but if you get past them, we got our guns, because anybody tries to kill us, maim us, you know, and she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> she said, I think the Bible just met Smith and Wesson. That was her line. So we laughed about it, you know, and so then she's trying to change the subject. And so she says, well, Si, you know, he says, now look, we'll have a Bible study, but if a gunfight breaks out, we're ready as well, you know. So Si just jumped right in. Sadly, that was the end of the interview as we knew it. I'm very thankful and excited about our church, uh, what we're doing, where we're going. I'm excited about our, our adding additional services. And I know sometimes that's that's hard because we love kind of packing in here and being together. But just imagine two of us or three or four, however many God continues to send people to be our way. What a blessing to be that light and that beacon, to be beamed out all over the world as being a people of grace, a forever family who knows they found something in Christ. And we want other people to know about it. I'm very excited about our work over university. One church, two campuses, and who knows how many more campuses we're going to have when God does his work. What an exciting time to be a part of a great church. Thank you, church family, for all you do in support of our family. Thank you, staff, 
Mike, you guys, David, are, are awesome. And I guess now that Trent's working out, I can go ahead and take credit for discovering him. Um, we were in a, uh, we were, well, you know, he was on his way to be a nightclub comedian, and I s pulled him off that ledge. And uh, we were having a marriage class, and so, I, you know, I'd asked Trent to speak because I didn't know, you know, I knew he was here, he was working on his marriage and family, and so he gets up, and I mean, he just blew me away. I said, this kid has got something. So Tommy was supposed to speak the next Sunday, so I leaned over and told him, and I said, Emin, you're out next week. <laughs> you know, Emin, what, 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 what? What? And I said, we got to see if this kid can do it. Because it's one thing to have like weeks of preparation, right? But can he do it on the spot? So I said, Trent, you know, our guy that was supposed to speak just dropped out. And it was like, Whoa. <laughs> so can you speak next week? And he said, man, I'm ready. Which that was the first test, right? If he would just take the challenge. And then he got up the next week and did it again. So we had a meeting. I said, Trent, I know you're going to Kansas but if God ever directs you back our way, I really think you can connect with this church family. I'd say God did his work with Trent. You think so? I think so. All right, let's get to this series because I volunteered. I told Mike I, really, I was so inspired by this series. I love the idea of converging. I love the idea that ordinary people, when God gets involved, can be so extra. I mean, God can do so many amazing things. I love the book of Acts because it is the beginning point, and yet, really, any Sunday can break out and be the day of Pentecost, right? I mean, I experience that here all the time. I'm thinking, am I in Acts chapter 2? I mean, I see these dripping wet people walking out of here, and I'm thinking, this is what Christianity is supposed to be. And it's not that way everywhere, unfortunately, but we're going to get that message out to do that. And so I wanted to uh, speak to you today about this idea of convergence, again, from Acts chapter 16. Trent kind of set it up uh, a few weeks ago when he was talking about earlier Lydia uh, in this text. If you have your Bibles or notepads or iPhones or whatever you follow along with, if you want to turn over to Acts chapter 16, I'm going to sort of do the rest of the story, a little Paul Harvey here, uh, because he left off, of course, with Lydia's conversion. You remember Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they're sent on this Holy Spirit errand to go out to Macedonia, even though that wasn't what they had in mind. And so the Holy Spirit had a different plan for them, and they find Philippi. Now, when they get there, they're expecting, of course, to find, you know, a group of Jewish people down in, uh, you know, somewhere meeting, and, and they find a heart-to-home meeting is what they find. They find Lydia, uh, who was the uh, local LSU clothing dealer uh, because she dealt in purple, uh, of course. And, uh, and there was this idea of convergence there because these women were open to the Word of God. And so Paul wasn't expecting it, but just like every great serendipity that's ever been throughout time, God takes the most small and ordinary things and turns them into something great and awesome. And that's exactly what he did here. And so Lydia and her, her sisters there and her friends and her household literally become the church meeting at Philippi. So we're going to pick up in verse 16, and you see that now that this church is established and going, that this little troop we have of Paul and Silas, Timothy, and Luke are continuing this. And he says in verse 16, once when we were going to the place of prayer. Now, that's been established. That's how they discover these women on the creek bank to begin with. And so there's an important message here of community. I mean, a community has been established, and so now these guys are going back to that place for encouragement, for prayer. Uh, to do just what we're doing here today. It's very important. 
We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now, I love it when stuff like this is in the text because the Bible just says it so matter-of-factly. We would call her a psychic today, and, of course, we would immediately assume that she was fake, right? Because that's what psychics are. When we look at this in the Bible, she had a spirit by which she could predict the future. And it doesn't designate it by saying it's an evil spirit. It just says she had the spirit, and she was able to do this. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So capitalism is alive and well in the first century as well, right? There's these owners here, and she's there. She can predict the future, and these guys are thinking, oh, man, we're going to make some money here. So they set up a little booth probably and you know, a crystal ball and do the whole thing for show. But this girl can really tell the future. I mean, she has this spirit in her. Now, in verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us, the troop there, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, think about it. We basically got a promotional stunt now going for them preaching the gospel. Everybody knows who she is. I mean, you know, everybody in Philippi knows this girl. You know she's telling the future, they know who she is. And so because this spirit is inside of her, she's in tune with who these guys really are. And so she's walking along behind them. You got to listen to these guys. I mean, they're on target. God most high, listen to them. And I bet you at first this seemed great, you know, because, man, people are going, we're, we're getting some attention of the people here in Philippi. But then when you read on in verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Getting old, getting old, right? First, it's probably pretty cool, and some people are coming to listen, and after a while, it starts getting old. How do we know this? Read on. Finally, I love this. This is just a human moment that I love in the Scripture. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. No more future. No more screaming. Quiet. Now, as far as I know, this is the only miracle in the Bible that was done just because someone was annoyed. <laughs> I mean, really. I, you know, like, I thought about Elisha when he called out the bear to maul the unruly teenagers, but who among us hadn't wanted to do that, right? I mean, <laughs> that wasn't really annoyance. That was just making a point. This is, is amazing to me because Paul, in just this human moment, I mean, you know, he's preaching the gospel, and she's just on his last nerve. That's what happened. So he cast the spirit out of her, and that's the end of her abilities. Unfortunately... It was also the end of her capitalistic uh, venture for her owners. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now think about this. What have they done? They cast the spirit out of the girl, but now we're going to drag them in to the authorities. For what? Casting out spirits? They brought them before the magistrates and says, these men are Jews. Okay, now that was true. And are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. That's just a bald-faced lie. That was a lie. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. I'm going to tell you this from personal experience, brethren. Crowds 
love to join in attacks when they've been lied to. It's amazing. Someone can tell a lie, they can put a headline up on a newspaper and now on the internet, it can be a bald-faced lie. And everybody says, I tell you what, these people, something's got to be done. People are so willing to accept lies. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. That doesn't sound good. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and he fastened their feet in the stocks. Now you talk about a day that's gotten away from Paul. I mean, we start out, we're on our way to the place of prayer. You know, we're probably late for church. We're trying to get to Bible class. We're, you know, we're rushing up to get there. Some crazy girl comes out, but she's telling the right thing. And that gets old after a few days of that. And we cast her out, the spirit. And then all of a sudden, we're beaten and we're thrown in prison. Unjustly because of something we didn't do. Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Don't you love it, just that shift? We're beaten, terrible things have happened to us, and next thing you know, we're singing up a storm in prison. Others are listening. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, this is one of those typical occurrences in the Bible where it's a natural happening, but there's a supernatural thing accompanied with it. I mean, let's face it, we've seen earthquakes, but where all the doors fly open and all the chains fall off, God heard the worship, and he did something about it. Don't you love that? The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Apparently, being a warden during this period of time was serious business. You didn't let your people get out. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So there they are. Could have left, didn't leave. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and catch this and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Was it the earthquake that did it? Was it the singing? Was it the attitude of these people? What was it that just, he looked at the situation and said, You know what? I got to know what you know. Believe in the Lord Jesus, they replied, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. So now we've gone from prison to the house. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. A man who spent his whole career keeping other people locked up had now escaped the prison of sin and death. Wow. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. The jailer is happy, happy, happy. He's fired up. 
I mean, look how this worked out. I'm now a saved son of God. My family knows Christ. They're saved as well. And they said, you can go. And Paul said, not so fast, my friend. Paul said to the officers, verse 37, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we were Roman citizens, and threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. Oh, boy. Paul causing trouble again. Now, look, it's a human moment. You know the, the troop. You know, you know Silas. You know Luke and Timothy. They're saying, come on, Paul. We're going to get beaten again. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. You see, back in this day, you didn't just go taking Roman citizens and dragging them out and beating them. They had rights to trial, and there was no trial here. But they did it anyway. They came to appease them. They escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. You know, I always love about Paul, unlike any of the other first century guys, there was always an edge to him. I mean, you know, he was a Jew. He was a Jew of Jews. He said, Pharisee of Pharisees. Of course, Jesus struck him down. There was always, you know, he was always knowledgeable. But at the same time, he realized what he had done to Christ. And when he got the gospel, he got it. But at the same time, he was a Roman citizen, the most powerful empire on the earth. And he realized that, and he was proud of that fact. And even though he had given his life to Christ, he was a dual citizen. And you weren't just going to come along and take advantage of Paul. He was going to let you know about it. Different. Verse 40. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then they left. You know, when you read the book of Philippians, you see this great love and affinity that Paul had for the Philippian church. It started out with that little group of ladies, expanded to that Philippian jailer, and then a lot of other people, including Epaphroditus, that we read about later. Read Philippians. It's a love letter. They gave so much to Paul. Well, you say, man, that's a converged story, and it absolutely is. How does that help me today? July 6, 2014. There's four things that helps me that I learned from this story. First of all, even the best of us get annoyed and react. It happens. Now, I don't know if you guys are like me, but, you know, I get annoyed all the time. It happens mostly in my car when I'm driving around. <laughs> it usually entails someone else on a cell phone that gets me annoyed. I mean, they won't go, they won't listen, they're running off the road, whatever's happening, I get annoyed by that. I don't even like to answer mine. I usually turn it off in the car because I can't stand it when other people are there. I'm on the phone with mom the other day. She's in her car on her cell phone, which is annoying me because she's talking to me, but I know she's on the road. And she says, oh, I just pulled out in front of somebody. Oh, boy, they're mad. So I can tell she's like watching around the rearview mirror and she said, oh, they're calling me everything but a Christian. I can just see it. I can tell what they're saying. And I'm like, well, mom, it's because you're talking on your cell phone in the car. You know, I say, oh, oh, they're pulling up beside me. Uh-oh, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm getting a play-by-play. And they pull up beside her and then they realize it's Miss Kay from Duck Dynasty and they went from cussing to, hey! <laughs> just like that. It was so annoying. And then they start doing what? Taking pictures of her with their cell phones, which really annoys me out on the road. 
we get annoyed. We're human beings. That's what we do. We get on one another's nerves. And you know, you're there. No place more so than in your own marriage and your own family. We do damn it marriage classes. We talk about love busters, which are those things that pull love out of relationship. And you got the big ones. You know, you got dishonesty, independent behavior, disrespectful judgments, anger. And then you know what number six is? Annoying behaviors. I mean, they can wreck you. But you know what? Just like that Duck Dynasty fan that was so mad at that woman for pulling out in front of me and then saw who she was, you know what? We can just decide to not be annoyed just that quick. Isn't it amazing? I mean, all of a sudden, I'm mad about, oh, well, it's okay. Or if you just give them the wave like, sorry, then it's like, oh, okay, I'm not annoyed anymore. They realized. Annoying behavior, it's there. It's in the Bible. It's who we are. But we have a decision, how do you let it affect you? Philippians 2, here's what Paul told the Philippians. In humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the other person. See, I have to realize I'm annoying too. That's hard to believe. I know you'd find that hard to believe, but I am. I've got annoying things. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Willing to look past an offense. It is the bedrock of our Christian service. We're going to annoy each other from time to time. We're family, but that's okay. Families figure out how to come together. Second thing I learned is when you take a punch... Don't come out swinging, come out singing. That's what they did. You see, it's this idea of spiritual grieving. You remember when Paul told the the Thessalonians, do not grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We've got a bigger picture on everything. So when bad stuff happens to us, and it does, we come out singing, not swinging. We realize we give praise to God because he has the power to see us beyond this life. Yeah, but you don't know how, I mean, the news I got was the worst news ever, that you lost your soul. That would be the worst news ever. Not that something was wrong with you physically or you lost your job. Those are terrible things. We always hate when that happens to people, but that's not the worst thing ever. I want to give praise to God. Job 120, the most famous worship reaction ever as far as I'm concerned. Job had just lost his family, his children, the worst thing I can imagine to me. And he lost all his possessions as well at the same time. And Job 120 said he did what? He fell down and he what? Worshiped. Now that's the attitude I want to have at any response. Not just when I'm in a good mood and things are going great. Lamentations. I want to be able to give God praise for everything in all things philippians 4 12 i have learned the secret of being content paul said in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or want i can do all this through him who gives me what strength that comes from god and i want to worship the almighty third thing i learned from this is that every mess is an opportunity for the message of christ every mess Paul got himself in a mess here. Now, you know, he was Paul, and he had the power to cast out spirits, so I'm not going to question him. If I'm one of the troops, I'm like, well, all right, here goes Paul. But he got himself in a mess. You wonder if he says, you know, I should have just let that old gal keep hollering because it turned bad fast, except that because he was in jail and they were singing, someone came to know the truth. And because, therefore, a family was changed, a city can be changed, and a nation can be changed. 
because of the message of Christ. God takes our messes and turns them into a great message. Isn't it, aren't you glad he does that? I mean, I look out here, I see a lot of messes. I see a lot of messages too. I see people giving praise to God for what he's done in their life. Lisa and I sat down last week and we're working on our book that's going to be out next year. And let me just tell you something. There are a lot of messes in there. It was the most excruciating, emotional thing I've gone through in a long time to go back and to remember all the times that we were living for the evil one and not for the almighty and the messes that we wreaked on ourselves and either on you, our church family. It's hard to walk back through there. You say, well, why would you do it? Just leave it back there. Because someone needs to know there's hope where they are today. That's why I went through that excruciating process, not to say how great Alan and Lisa are, but to say how great God is. That he can take my mess and turn it into something that can change someone's life. They're at that point where they're ready to give up and ready to throw in the towel and say, I tell you what, I just cannot do this anymore. Yes, you can. Not by your own power, but by him who gives you strength. You look at Philippians 1, partnership in the gospel, advancing the gospel, defense of the gospel, confirming the gospel, worthy of the gospel, contending as one man for the faith of the what? Gospel, the core message of Jesus Christ to that Philippian church and Paul. You see, they were bonded together. They were forged while he was in that prison and after he got out. He was treated wrongly, and then they came and appeased him and escorted him to the city gates, but he left behind life-changing power. The gospel is what changes us. And the fourth thing I learned is that just because you take a beating doesn't mean you have to like it. You know, Paul stood up for his rights as a Roman citizen and said, you know what, this isn't right, what you did. We're at a time in America, brethren, we're going to have to stand up for who we are. We are dual citizens. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I realize that. That's first and foremost. But we are also American citizens. We have a right to be here. We have the right to talk about our faith. And we have a right to do it not just in these four walls, but anywhere we go. We are sons and daughters of the Almighty God, are we not? Now you can say it's a flag-waving church, but it's a church who has the good news of Jesus to go out. And I've got the grace of God willing to extend it to all men. But I also have a right as an American citizen to be armed, to defend my family, and to defend my property. God has called us to that. And you won't see anything in the Bible that contradicts that. Our founding fathers were brilliant because they founded a country that loved God, but also loved freedom. And it's important that we remember that. When you're on the front lines, as I have found myself, you realize that there are many people out there who would love to take that away from you and I. We don't have to allow them. So, where are you at here today? Are you annoyed? You probably are. I mean, we're five minutes long right now. It's annoying. My pot roast is going to get overcooked. People come forward and, man, cut into my time. It's easy to get annoyed. But you know what? We're a family. We'll forgive your annoyances. Please forgive mine. Are you here today grieving something that's caused you this difficulty in your own heart and life? We're a family, and we offer comfort. Some already I saw came forward today in prayer just, just to give something to God. That's what the beauty of this time is in our invitation. Or are you in prison? 
Just like the jailer who thought he was locking everybody else up but found out he was really the one that was locked up. He needed to know the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came here, that he died for him, that he was put on a cross for his sins and raised from the tomb, that he went to the right hand of the Father, but that he would never leave us here. He's coming back to get us and take us to that great reward. Do you need to be set free today? There's no better day than today. There's no better time than now. There are a lot of them that come, profess their faith to Christ, and commit their lives to him. We, get, we baptize them right here in this water behind me, and they leave here dripping wet and singing praises to God. You can be set free today. Whatever your need is, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's fire in the blood, fire in the blood. Would you be full of victory when there's wonderful fire in the blood? There is power, power.
Church family, this is Chris, and we've already had the opportunity to hear his confession. And so, Chris, based on your confession that from this day forward, Jesus Christ is going to be Lord of your life, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's going to give you the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. He's going to raise you up from these waters brand new, and this is the first day of your new life in Him. Kelly Wall just wanted us to um, uh, let us know that uh, little Wes's kidney uh, surgery went well and it's working and uh, 
normally and just said, uh, uh, asked, wanted to thank us for our prayers and ask us to continue to pray for him. Also, the, um, also I just had a single mother that lost her child this weekend. Also, uh, Charles and Linda Bozeman. Uh, just given a note that said that their 11-year-old grandson has passed away this weekend, so we want to remember uh, them. Also, uh, the Heart to Home uh, table is out back. Uh, if you haven't signed up uh, for this year, I want you to do that. If, they're, if, you're, if you're new here and have questions about it, stop by and visit. Also, uh, I want to let Alan know it was great having him back today. <laughs> But he did have a clarification. When he started talking about how celebrating today by lifting up the Lord and celebrating barbecue, he, what he meant to say was Uncle Si's tea and barbecue. So if you're visiting today, we want you to know how honored we are to have you here. We're blessed that you chose to be here with us, and I uh, want you to come back and visit again. And we acknowledge that we're your children, chosen, adopted by you. It is a powerful thing to know that the creator of the universe saw something within us, even saw it amongst our problems. And Father, we just pray that we will, our gratitude will cause us to live a life of faith such that in our deepest, darkest times, those around us will see something that they've never seen before, a joy and a confidence that causes them to ask, what is it that gives you that joy? And we can share your son with them. The hope that we have through your son, the promises that we have because of his death, burial, and resurrection, that we can encourage those around us to seek you and to have the same hope that we have. Father, we brought several names to you this morning. Lives have been changed. Directions have been altered all because of the hope that you gave us and for these names that we brought before you father we pray that your hand will be upon them that you will comfort them strengthen them give them the hope that will cause their chains to fall off and the world around them to be shaken in a way that causes them to look to you father we thank you so much for loving us and thank you for this family here and we pray that we'll have the confidence the wisdom and the strength to proclaim your good name to all the, round of the world around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.